Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 44th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into, we got a lot of topics uh, that we got to cover this week. Uh, we're about to get right into UFC. Uh, they have a pay-per-view coming up this Saturday, UFC 205. It's going to be a pretty nice pay-per-view. I uh, definitely like recommend you to check it out if you can. Uh, about to get right into these fights. Uh, but before we get into the main uh, UFC, uh, UFC pay-per-view card, uh, we're about to get to the undercard for the fight real quick. Um, first fight that we're about to get into, uh, first and only fight that we're about to get into is uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Michael Johnson. Uh, Darnell, you've seen these guys fight. Uh, what do you think is going to be so special about these two getting in the ring? Well, I mean, <clears throat> Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's 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 a beast. Uh, I mean, technically, he if they're going RDA, by rank, uh, RDA, uh, yeah. Saying, so yeah, he's that guy's a beast. Yeah. On, yeah. So just looking at yeah, that. and he's coming back off an injury, but uh, he did win his first fight back. Uh, in most Warcher. people's eyes, he is the person that should be fighting Eddie Alvarez right now, not yeah. Conor McGregor. Uh, based off of the rankings and everything, and I mean the guy has a massive twenty-three and zero record. Yeah, uh, he's he's shown that he's been worth everything that uh, everything he's billed as when he came to the UFC. He's a well-rounded fighter. Uh, he's coming. Like I said he he just came back recently off of injury i think he fought uh back in april and that was off of a, basically a two-year layoff uh beat uh daryl horcher thought he would be getting that title shot but uh they worked it out where uh conor mcgregor would step in so he, he he still wanted to fight that's the type of guy he is so they gave michael johnson who's been uh pretty solid himself as of late um uh, uh if people haven't Heard of him? You might remember him from uh, one of the Ultimate Fighter seasons. Yeah, uh, Leroy, so. Yep. Uh, so I, th- I think it's it's an interesting matchup. It's it's a good opponent for uh, Khabib to have that will still challenge him. Uh, that will have eyes on trying to take this fight down himself. Uh, he he just had a big win to come off of uh, two close losses, a split decision to uh, Benil Dariush, and then. Uh, a unanimous decision lost to Nate Diaz that was closer than what most people would think. Uh, but uh, he, he did just pretty much wax Dustin Poirier, which was a big win there. And I think that got him back on track. And this is a nice little measuring stick to see if he is one of those elite fighters. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think most people see it going one way, but I, I think it could be an interesting fight. Uh Michael Johnson has has really good boxing. If he if he lands the right couple punches, he he can put people down. Uh, it's usually not one shot, but he he can usually stun somebody and and put them away. Uh, but the murder Madoff can beat you in a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah. Now, just personally, do you feel as if uh, Michael Johnson will uh, hold up in this fight, or? I mean, it's a three-round fight. Uh, he, he's pretty good at staying away from damage. Uh, I'm not sure if he's been finished since he has been in the UFC. So, uh, I mean, it, I, I think he'll hold his own. 
Uh, I don't think he'll get just railroaded. I think he's a little bit better of a fighter than that. Okay. Uh, but I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if we get like a a sub or a or a TKO like late second round, early third round, or something like that. Okay. Uh, but how do you uh, actually see this fight going now? Uh, you feeling uh, Khabib with the win? Yeah, I, I okay. do think uh, Khabib wins this fight. I just I think he's destined to go after that title holder. Uh, whether it's, I guess, Eddie Alvarez or McGregor. Uh, and I think he's a tough matchup for either of them, honestly. Okay. So uh, you think after this, if he pulls off this win, you think up next is a championship? Uh, I don't know how you can't. 24-0 and 0 and you just beat a, a pretty good fighter coming back. He's like, like you said, he's beaten Rafael Dos Anjos. He's Tiago Tavares, like some some good names in that division, uh, and he's still undefeated. I think it, yeah, it's it's time for him to get that fight. Okay. Okay. Up next, we're about to hop right into uh, some of the UFC uh, the main card. Uh, first fight that we're about to talk about is Wyman versus Yoel Romero. Uh, how do you see this fight going, Darna? Who? I uh, this one. Like for Weidman, this is one of those situations. Uh, like when he when he fought your boy. <laughs> yeah, don't even <laughs> don't even bring it up, man. <laughs> uh, Romero, he's a he's a big muscular fighter. Uh, he he does have a decent gas tank, but uh, he can also try to let a lot go. And you know, just the common trend with muscular fighters, they Gas. They they gas earlier. Yeah, uh, this is a three round fight, so he'll probably be a little better at pacing himself. Uh, but Weidman, when he's himself, if, if he looks like he looked against Luke Rockhold, then we he might be in for a long night, especially with the power and and wrestling that Romero has. Uh, but if if he's the Chris Chris Weidman we knew previous to that fight, and he's on top of his game, he's keeping distance, he's changing levels, going for takedowns, working to get uh, pick his shots. Uh, it should be a fight that Wyman wins. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do believe, you know, I'm going to be pulling from, uh, for Romero, man, uh, just because, you know, Wyman, he is my man, uh, Anderson Silva's uh, kryptonite. Uh, he's beat him twice, so still salty to him. Uh, Chris Wyman, uh, I do think he's going to win this fight. Um just because I've seen the guy uh, fight and dude's an absolute beast. But like I said, he's uh, he beat my boy twice, man. So I'm going to be pulling for uh, Yoel Romero in this one. But uh, I think this is going to be a good fight either way. Uh, you know, Chris Weidman uh, is very talented, you know, can take you down, has those hands too. Uh, this, this would be a good fight for him in this uh, fight. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think the first few minutes of this fight is going to be the most interesting part of it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, for one, we get to see if, if what Weidman was saying was true uh, against Rockhold was it injuries that made him look terrible or, uh, or is it just some kind of early decline that he's going through? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and on Romero's side, like I say, he does have a little bit of Vitor in him. He, he can start fast and start to fade. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, he, he has been through some, some three round fights. He, he's gone, gone deep. Uh, his last fight was a split decision against, uh, uh, Ronaldo Souza. Uh, but he, he's also won some late, uh, TKOs in the third. Uh, Tim, Tim Kennedy was controversial and Leota Machida, uh, that one not quite so controversial. Yeah. Uh, but also there's the factor of, you know, he, he did get off because, uh, it was a tainted supplement, but, uh, you know, there's also that yeah. worry of abusing that follows him too. Yeah. Uh, so do you think whoever, uh, wins this fight, you think they will get Bisping next? Or? I think so, especially since, uh, Rockhold's fight got called off. Okay. Uh, I think they're probably next in line. Uh, Dark Horse would be the Tim Kennedy. Uh, Rashad Evans fight that got moved from this card to the Toronto card. Okay. All right. So, and up next, we're about to get start getting to the uh, championship uh, fights that's going on uh, for UFC 205. First of all, we're about to get right into the ladies. Uh, we have Joanna Yanjacek, uh versus Carolina Kovalchevich. Uh, Kovalchevich. Yep, you got it. Uh, <laughs> Two Polish ladies going after it, man. Uh, both undefeated as well. Uh, how do you see this going? Uh, somebody's about to lose their O, just yeah. like you're saying. Two undefeated fighters. Uh, two very good undefeated fighters. Uh, you know, Joanna, uh, she's she's making herself kind of a household name. Uh, I think she might be that female replacement to, uh, to Rousey if she can – get a better grasp on the English language and and go with that because I mean she's she's an absolute terror uh exciting to to watch her stand up uh Carolina she she's more of a slower paced fighter but still very good very dangerous uh so you know and I don't think it's gonna run over I think this will be a tough fight uh, this will go into later rounds. Uh, you see, this could be as good as the uh, Gadelia fight. I mean, it could be. Like I, I, okay. I think uh, Kovalkiewicz will ha- will keep her gas tank a little better. She she has a, she's a, she fights a different style than Claudia Gadelia. Okay, uh, she's, not, she's not as wrestling based, and she's not as as thick of a fighter as she was. And so I, I don't see her, you know losing it so fast so she drops off a cliff like uh Cadelia yeah, did. Yeah. Uh I'm just wondering if kind of if if the nerves will get to her at all cuz she's only been in the UFC for a hot minute. Yeah. Uh but she has amassed a 10 and 0 record over the course of her full career. Uh yeah, but three I, uh UFC fights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, her first fight in the UFC was uh the 19th of uh, December uh, last year. So, yeah, she's yeah. very new. Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, her last fight against uh, Rose Namajunas was, I mean, I, I think that showed everybody she's pretty legit. Uh, she's very dangerous in the clinch. Uh, that might be the one spot where she tries to do her damage if she can keep, uh, keep the distance close with Joanna and, you know, Get get that tie clinch going to where she can lay some knees and elbows and stuff in there. That's probably her best route. Okay. But uh, I, I just don't think she has enough tools in the in her tool belt to to deal with JJ. 
Okay, so you have uh, JJ winning this one as well uh, as me. Yeah, I just, I just think prior to the strike volume will will play out. Yeah, because you know, like to bring it back up, uh, that Gadelia uh, fight. Uh, once uh, Gadelia started getting tired, man, she, she was just throwing punches mm-hmm. like crazy. So yeah, she has a very good condition when it comes to standing up and striking. Uh, she can throw as many as she wants in the ring. So well, and I mean, from having it. Do the defensive wrestling that yeah, she had. Yeah, too. So yeah, that, exactly. that's tiring. Yeah, exactly. Anybody that's had to try to get out from under somebody that's trying to hold you down, yeah. that'll gas you quickly. Exactly. So yeah, good point there. Um, up next, we're about to get into uh, this. Is I was waiting for this. I'm a huge uh, Wonder Boy fan, man. Especially uh, his fight against Big Rig, uh, how he was just doing his thing in there. That's really caught my eyes on him. But he's going to be challenging uh, Tyron Woodley for his belt uh, in this fight. So this is one that I'm really going to be excited to see. Uh, I do have major uh, respect for Woodley, too. Um, how do you think this fight's going to go, Darnell? Whew. I mean, this is a tough one to call, too. Yeah. I mean, you got Woodley, who... If if he kept, if he touches your chin, you saw what he did to Lawler, man. Yeah, I was gonna say, and Lawler. I mean, how many wars has Lawler been through with without falling down? And yeah. Woodley did it inside of a round. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, this this is real power coming from Woodley. This is a guy that probably walks around naturally at two hundred pounds, fighting at one seventy. So, uh, and and he he holds a lot of muscle, but he's really he's he's conditioned nicely too yeah uh but then you have the awkwardness of stephen thompson and his karate uh you know he he's the second coming of leoto machida he's that rubik's cube that nobody's been able to figure out yet uh so i'm wondering if woodley uh went and took a look at some those, those two shogun fights with uh, Leoto Machida to try to get some ideas because uh, I think that's going to be the type of fight that he has to to fight to win. Is he has to stay in range? He might have to eat some shots, yeah. uh, but as long as he protects his chin and he can land one, that's probably his his best chance. Or if he can if he can get some well timed double legs, but you know it's it's kind of scary thinking if you want to drop your head and come in with with this guy's legs and feet flying around yeah exactly um so it's yeah this is just going to be a good fight man just the styles uh like you say you know how steven uh thompson he can bounce around in the ring a little bit you know just kick you with those uh crazy feet of his and then you got tyron willie dude just with explosive hands uh this is just going to be uh just a good entertaining fight to see uh, how these guys, their technique, uh, how they're going to handle uh, each other um, in this fight, man. It's just going to be a good one to see. Now, who do you have winning in this? I mean, I, I really like Tyron Woodley, uh, but uh, but I, I just feel like Stephen Thompson's been on a tear and just, like I said, nobody's figured him out yet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would love to see Tyron Woodley close distance and, you know, make this a dirtier fight because that's his best shot. And I'll yeah. be looking to see see if he enacts that type of game plan. But, but yeah, if I guess if I had to put my money down, it would probably be on Wonderboy. 
Yeah. I'm going to go with Wonder Boy, uh, too. You know, like I said, I'm a huge fan of uh, his, just his fighting style. Uh, you know, you brought the whole Rufus Cube and everything, comparing him uh, when uh, Yoto Machida was doing his thing, uh, winning. Um, yeah, I just feel like right now it's his time. Um, however, you know, if Tyron Woodley wins this, I'm not going to be disappointed at all. This guy's an absolute beast. Uh, you know, he showed me uh, that he's definitely worth uh, being a champion. No fluke at all what he did to a guy like Lawler. So, um, not going to be disappointed at all either way. But I just think right now, I think it's Stevens, uh, Wonderboy Times this time uh, to get that belt. So, uh, can you see a potential rematch or is there uh you know, anybody else uh, you could throw out that you would like to see fight either of these guys that you think's in line to get it? Uh, GSP. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see, man. You know, you had that uh, issue uh, with the UFC, but, you know, never know. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. So, All right. This is uh, the fight, uh, the main event fight, man. Uh it's always going to be the main event with Conor McGregor uh, running his off at his mouth and stuff uh, that he does. But him versus uh, Eddie Alvarez, man, uh, <clears throat> what do you think about this fight? And, you know, the antics that's been going on prior uh, to him getting in the ring. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> pre-fight, Conor's been Conor talking mad stuff and, you know, selling the fight, trying to trying to get people prepared for it, you know, saying his usual outlandish stuff, what he's going to do. Eddie Alvarez is going to make him unrecognizable to his family and all this kind of stuff. But I just, this is not the type of fighter that I think you're going to rattle with stuff like that. Yeah, I was just about to ask you, um, you know, do you feel as if he's gotten into Eddie's head at all or? No, uh, Eddie Alvarez, he's too much of a veteran. He's been in too many wars where he's going to be bothered by somebody making idle threats uh, it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be proven to him inside the cage uh you know he he's already you know he he had to go through his fights to get this ufc title you know coming from bellator people were probably saying how he wasn't gonna match up to the quote best fighters in the world as everybody says they're all in the ufc he showed everybody that was wrong and went through uh his couple uh tune up fights and then he, he starched RDA and took the belt. Yeah. So I mean I, I I don't think he's worried. Yeah. Now how do you uh yeah, yeah, this is like you yeah, you believe Eddie's gonna win this one, right? I do. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I do too. Just like how do you see this uh yeah, how do you think it's gonna happen? Um early round knockout or submission or what? Uh I mean I'm not sure like how early it happens. Like I'm not gonna like Connor is a tough fighter. I'm yeah. not not gonna say uh, any anything about him in this way, but I feel like this is probably his toughest matchup to date. Uh, yeah. I do give him respect for trying to call out people at upper weight classes. I know he's he's trying to get his money. Uh, I was a little bit you know him calling out Diaz. I was like this one is not really like. Yeah, you're challenging yourself because it's somebody that's up a weight class, but you guys are basically Not the same size. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and Nate Diaz isn't isn't considered elite at any weight class he fights at. Yeah. Uh, but he's he, dealing he with an elite guy right here for sure. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, but now he's dealing with the elite of the elite for this yeah. weight class. So, and uh, I, th- I think. 
Eddie Alvarez kind of uses that blueprint that Chad Mendez was using yeah. uh, against Connor. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is a really good wrestler, and he also has some power in his hands, as we saw in his fight against RDA. Uh, if if he can get in range and get get some hands on Connor, get him to the ground, especially if he can get him out, this is going to be a long day for McGregor. Yeah. Uh, McGregor hope to stay outside and use that pre- precision that he punches with and hope he can he can put Eddie down, but that's been proven to be very hard to do. Exactly. Um, I think Eddie's going to win this. I'm going to uh, predict a fourth-round knockout. Um, I just think there's been a little bit of talk from Eddie, uh, you know, questioning uh, Conor McGregor's conditioning. Uh, I think he's going to uh, kind of focus on that in this uh, fight, wait for McGregor. Uh, Gregor's chin to drop some and start breathing out of his mouth instead of his nose. And I think that's when he's really going to uh, attack and and pounce on him uh, like he did against RDA. Um, When I saw that fight with RDA, you know, he showed me that uh, he was uh, fearless, you know, uh, striking uh, with a guy like RDA like that. So I think you're just going to wait for McGregor to get tired. Uh, You know, for those those fights against Diaz, there's been situations where uh, Conor McGregor's conditioning, you started to question, uh, question it. Uh, particularly later in the rounds, uh, that last fight uh, that he had with Diaz. Uh, but I think he's going to wait for him to get tired, and then uh, that's when he's really going to start to pounce on him. So I uh, don't really think uh, McGregor's going to get in his head uh, for, uh, or anything like that. I think he's just focused, you know, who's this chump coming into my weight class, thinking he's going to take over. And I think he's just really confident. I think he's going to go in there and do his thing. So Totally agree. Yeah. Now, uh, cover the UFC uh, 205 uh, fights. Just uh final thing that came out this week uh, with John Jones. Uh, his suspension got reduced. Uh, just your quick thoughts on that and hearing that. Yeah. Uh, and basically, for those that are kind of unaware, uh, like I was even confused with it at first. I guess he, he did get the full suspension based on the – criteria now that he's being suspended for uh he had a he went through arbitration so he went through one before three arbitrators they all agreed uh he did uh take a substance uh, that was on the banned substance list it wasn't due to contamination or anything like that but he wasn't doing it to gain competitive advantage that's why the suspension's now a year and not more uh, and and the uh, suspension was retroactively back to uh, June or July. Can't remember. Okay. Uh, but he he could possibly be back in a in the octagon by this summer. Uh, I mean, as as far as thoughts on it, I mean, it's just another day in the life of John Jones who <laughs> can't get out of his own way. Yeah, uh, uh, he, he did something else that I mean. He he got suspended for taking the, uh, what he called a a penis. Well, he said the vulgar word for it. He said he took a dick pill. Oh, Uh, yeah. (laughs) So he got suspended for taking uh, a medication for his sexual performance. Uh, Don't know how he didn't possibly think that it might have something in it that uh, might not be looked at well by a. 
doping organization because it, it is a muscle that yeah. that down there. So and it's, you're taking something to I guess make you stronger in that department. It might have some other effects. So and just like I said, I, I don't I don't feel uh, I don't feel like he was trying to cheat. But still, like you're, you're the most one of the most recognizable uh, fighters in the world. You got to be smart enough to call whoever and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about taking this medication or pill or whatever. Can you guys let me know if it's on the banned substance list?" Yeah. So, you know, just time and time again, uh, just him getting, uh, you know, in trouble with. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff, man. Hopefully this will be the last because you already know uh, John Jones is my guy. So I would love to see him uh, get in the ring and fight fight um, Cormier again, uh, hopefully for the belt. Uh, but just have to see, man. You know, hopefully this will be the last straw, you know, him with the uh, banned substances and, you know, hitting pregnant women and with the car and all this other stuff. So, you know. Enough is enough. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, just won't have another situation where we have to talk about this because, you know, dude's an amazing fighter watching that ring, you know, watching uh, one of the greatest fighters in the history of UFC, in history of MMA. Um, and, you know, don't really need to be talking about, you know, his out of the um, ring situations uh, compared to his in ring uh, ability. So, yeah, just hopefully, you know, this will be the last uh, time, you know, he can get. Um, stuff together, you know, go in there and win fights, man, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, he's already a pound for pound great of all time for the organization for MMA in total. Uh, has the possibility still, just because he's young, to be considered the greatest of all time. But yeah, I and mean, I, I just think it's to a point now where even with all of his greatness and accolades. It, it's, he's not going to be able to be separated from his out of the ring antics. I mean, yeah. he's kind of like he, he's getting along those lines. Of course, he, he's not not saying the crimes are the same or anything, but I mean, he, he's he's looking at being like the Mike Tyson of the UFC. Just yeah. a great. Everybody's always going to talk about how great his fights were, but there's trouble. always going to be a little bit of that troubling history that's always attached to him yeah for sure all right man uh any other thoughts on the ufc uh any other comments or anything saturday should be fun yeah definitely gonna get there uh earlier man just uh these cars look great um you know even there for the prelims don't really uh care too much about prelims usually but you know even the prelims are good for this uh fight so uh, but just yeah. Real, yeah. How do you think this? Because uh, you know this is a pretty stacked card, man. Uh, how do you think this is? Uh, uh, this card is compared to the uh, two hundred. Oh, uh, I'm way more excited to watch this than UFC two hundred. All right, yeah. So I just think I think the fights are will be more mad or more better. They will be better and more evenly matched, uh, more exciting. Yeah. So yeah, I feel the same way, man. This is just. Uh, you know, they're coming to uh, New York, so they're definitely, you know, they got to bring out their A game for sure. So it's the first time uh, having uh, MMA uh, in New York, I believe. So uh, definitely yep. bringing out their A game, man. This should be a uh, just a good uh, pay-per-view uh, for sure. So it could definitely easily be one for, for the ages. So yeah, have to see how these uh, results are going to end up. And, and kind of wish the New Yorker we were just talking about would have been on the card. 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man, just, you know, hey, so I have to see maybe down the road uh, when they get back, uh, come back there again. So pretty sure the UFC is going to be making another turn there. So, uh, yeah, that'll be a yearly stop at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure so they just need to come back to michigan man that was when we went there that was one uh that was a good one too so yeah yeah all right so up next what we're about to get into is ncaa basketball the season starts off tomorrow uh just real quick guys what are you guys thoughts on this season uh looks like it's gonna be a fun opening weekend uh of course, what I'm looking forward to is my school at Arizona and Michigan State going at an Iron Force Classic. Uh, see Michigan State's uh, one of their best recruiting classes ever take the court and see how they are in live action against another uh, elite team. Uh, you know, Arizona has uh, Kadeem Allen coming in, uh, Parker Jackson Cartwright. Uh, matching up with this young team. Uh, I, I'm interested to see uh, if they can get battle-tested early. Yeah, you know, one thing that I think college basketball does really well, kind of like college football tries their best to do, is they try to still get some really good matchups to start the season. Um, you know, here with the Armed Force Classic, we have, you know, really four real solid programs, the first of which... Darnell just mentioned Michigan State versus Arizona. Uh, you know, I, Darnell and I have talked about this, you know, a little bit prior. And, you know, one thing I, I talked about with Michigan State being Darnell's, you know, alma mater and, you know, his squad, and I think we'll start with them. Uh, yeah, I feel like this team has a lot of depth. And granted, one of the better recruiting classes they've had in recent years. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, you could say Draymond Green and Denzel valentine but i think those guys developed you know developed into great players i think this is the recruiting class that's going to start out as really good players um and you can agree or disagree with me there but i think you'll agree with me um, no i totally agree you know but they also have a lot of key returning players you got you know tum tum nairn you have matt McQuaid who played a big role last year kenny gones gavin Schilling, uh you know aaron yeah aaron harris you know probably probably going to be one of their leading scorers this year uh you know i, I think this michigan state team kind of has a you know what a typical michigan state team has you know they they got some good young very promising talent and they have the guys who've been around for a couple of years that know the system know how it works are going to bring these young guys along and you know i, I think this michigan state team is easily you know, in that top tier in the Big Ten already, despite not knowing exactly what we're going to get out of some of these freshmen. Uh, you know, probably most notably, uh, oh, Miles Bridges, who, Darnell, you told me he's most likely going to be a starter, is what you're hearing. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll so, probably be the one starter out of the recruiting class. And Miles Bridges, uh, moving forward, he's a... Uh, six seven guard forward combo can one of those can play either or uh, you know being able to get recruits in that can play multiple positions 
will only I think will only benefit Michigan State moving forward this year because you know look at look at Denzel Valentine he could play the one two three or four um, and look at the player he turned into being so I, I think Tom Izzo is getting on this train that if you can get stud freshman players that can play off the bat whether they're gone in one or two years you know getting them for the one or two years is better than getting them for zero years. Um, and you know, we, we've talked about this as well, you know, the idea that this is the way college basketball is moving in Michigan state seems like they're starting to get on that train. I totally agree. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, I, I guess in terms of the matchup with, uh, with Arizona, uh, you know, Arizona is another class that always gets, you know, good freshmen coming in, um, you know, this year it looks like you mentioned Parker Jackson Cartwright, a returning guard. Uh, he'll be a he'll be a good player. Um, you know, the, the the only thing with uh, with Arizona is I feel like Arizona kind of gets hidden a lot of times because it seems like you know they're never you know one of the last undefeated teams or anything like that. But by the time March rolls around, they tend to be one of the deeper teams. They find a way to build basically to build the depth. Coach Sean Miller does a fantastic job with that program. He really develops those guys for the month of March and April. And, you know, I feel like they always have a really solid team come tournament time. You know, you, you look at their roster, they got a, you know, a couple seven footers and Dusan Ristich, uh, you know, the he's a junior this year and Lori Markanen, Markanen, I'm not really sure how you pronounce that out of Finland, but you know, they got a couple seven footers coming out of coming off of having Caleb Tarzuski, who is also a seven footer. You know, it's the idea that they like to build that down low presence and kind of play an inside out kind of a game. If they can, you know, the, the Arizona likes to work the ball inside. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. Cause I know one of your concerns with Michigan state is the idea that they don't have the typical height that they tend to get in some years, you know, uh, I believe Michigan State's tallest player is six nine. So how are these six nine playing? Yes. So you know, it, it for me, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup early on to see do these six nine players for Michigan State play bigger than six nine and really match up with these seven footers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to have to be back to basics. You know, a shot goes up, you find somebody and put your back on them, and mm-hmm. and they're going to have to. They're going to have to run, and yeah. uh, I think that's probably going to be the game plan. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I think Michigan, this is in, – in, and I don't want to call it like an abnormal team, like there's something wrong with them, but I think this is going to be one of the first real teams we see from Tom Izzo that's going to run the floor more than not. Um, granted, if they ever get the opportunity to run the floor, they do, but I think this is going to be one of the first times we see Tom Izzo really take running the floor as a game plan. Yeah. Might be more of a run and shoot style offense with with the collection of players that he has mm-hmm. for this, especially uh, his his two big guys, Ben Carter and Gavin Schilling, mm-hmm. both out for a while in the injury. So I mean, I think the tallest player on roster right now is playing in a six eight. So, okay. Oh, we have to do a lot of running around. Yeah. And then I guess we can go ahead and start talking about the the second matchup between the Indiana Hoosiers and the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, I think, you know, we can start with Kansas here, probably the more national program. You know, once again, Kansas, a lot like Michigan State, you know, has that freshman 
stud, if you will, in Josh Jackson, who chose Kansas most likely over Michigan State. I, if if you were to ask me, those were the one two. You know, Josh Jackson being out of Detroit, being heavily recruited by Michigan State. Uh, for me, in my opinion, it was between Kansas and you know Michigan State the entire time, and chose Kansas. So a, a little bit you know bad blood there for Michigan State fans, but. You know, I think Kansas has the Michigan State type of roster. You know, they have that star stud freshman and the returning players. You know, they got Frank Mason the third. They got, uh, you know, Landon Lucas, you know, a couple seniors. Uh, j- just the idea that they, they should have a pretty complete roster with depth as well. Uh, you know, so is, is Kansas going to be, you know, the team a lot of, preseason polls expect them to be or do they be the Kansas team that kind of fades away and gets the national attention but doesn't have the record to back it up it seems like we always get one of the two one of the two Kansas teams there yeah uh, I mean this is another marquee match up here uh, Kansas very complete squad here uh, and I yeah I am still a little hurt that we didn't get Josh Jackson to be that uh, cherry on the top of a roster, but, but, but uh, yeah, it, he, he adds a lot to Kansas. I assume he picked him because they have a more wide open offense where they do, they, they let you do some isolation if they have that kind of player. Uh, so he's going to get more of those kind of looks. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm interested to see how Indiana bounces back losing some big players from last year. Yep. Uh, but, Yogi Farrell. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, still, number 11 ranking uh yeah i mean they still got a lot of talent i want to see how it shows yeah you know uh now living in hoosier land basically i live about an hour and 20 from bloomington uh you know the 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 three big names for indiana this year are going to be james blackman jr coming off an injury junior guard um is he going to be able to basically pick up where yogi farrell left off uh, or be better uh that's going to be a big question for them and they have og ananobi uh really good forward sophomore has a lot of talent six eight very athletic he he's one of those typical you know athlete over basketball player type of players where his athleticism will take over um and it doesn't necessarily come from a basketball background uh he's another one but then the the player a lot of people thought could potentially leave last year was thomas bryant 610 center uh is a sophomore this year a lot of people thought he may have left last year but coming back him, Ananobi, and Blackman Jr., really three solid returners to kind of center this program. Uh, you know, for, for me, the the matchup for Indiana versus Kansas is going to be a little different than uh, the Michigan State-Arizona one, where, where I think the inside is going to be the matchup. I think between Arizona and, or between Kansas and Indiana, it's going to be a little more centered around the guards. Uh like I said, with Blackman and Ananobi, granted Ananobi a forward, but still a wing type player who can work inside. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the matchup with Josh Jackson is because eyes are going to be on Josh Jackson for Kansas. And I, and I think everybody kind of knows that, um, you know, I, for me, I think we'll see Ananobi on Josh Jackson, uh, Josh Jackson, six, eight Ananobi six, eight. I think that's going to be a fun matchup to watch both guys. Very athletic. Uh, that, that would be what I would tend to look for. One is Ananobi going to match up on Josh Jackson and two, how do each of them perform on each other? Uh, this will be a real test for both of them early on 
has off season has the off season prepared you for this? Are you going to play sound defense? Are you going to going to let the other guy put up fifteen or twenty on you? You know, it to, to me, I, I think that's kind of the key to look for here, as opposed to more of a general thing to look for in the Michigan State Arizona game. Yeah, uh, but either way, both of them, I'm definitely ready for some college basketball. Oh, oh, definitely, and, and I don't kind of like how we talked about with college football. Couldn't have asked for a better opening start. I yep. think this is this is a great seven seven o'clock start, nine o'clock start. Uh, I'll be tuned into both definitely. And in reality, when March rolls around, we'll still be talking about these four teams. Yep. All right, guys. Anything else to add uh, to college basketball? Trey on watch. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't blow it off. All right, man. I'm going. I'm going to check out those games for sure tomorrow, man. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to get some, uh, college games in, uh, this year for sure. So I've been sleeping on the sport. You know, I usually watch it during, uh, tournament season, but, um, going to check out, see what you guys are about, man. So <laughs> definitely will be watching it tomorrow for sure. <clears throat> All right. All right. Uh, up next, we're about to get to NCAA football. Uh, what are your thoughts on this new playoff ranking? And, uh, do you feel as if they got it right this time? Uh yeah, I mean, I think I think the teams forced them to get it right. A and M had a loss, so the one that everybody was questioning why they were in the top four is no longer there. And uh, Washington, who most people had gripes about not being in there, is now in. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't I don't begrudge anybody if they want to flip two and three or rework everything but i think the right four teams are there yeah i i would definitely agree you know darnell and i kind of faulted the committee for the first week of rankings because you know the sec bias it's there it's obvious everybody knows it's there um but you know i I think the best thing i heard from the from the selection show was don't freak out because the week one college football playoff rankings are never what the end ranking is. So, you know, in reality, let the first week rankings be what they are. Don't read too much into it because they will change. Uh, I think this is the, the week two rankings, uh, which is week, uh, what, week 10 of the college football playoff or week 10 of college football Um I think this is the most accurate picture we would get of an end result because here we have four conferences represented. We have the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12. And, you know, what I tell people is, what has history shown us from the college football playoff? We have seen conference champions get in. So, therefore, the four conferences that have a conference championship are represented. And we have never seen a team with two losses get in. We've seen one-loss teams get in. So the way we look at it, we have four undefeated teams in and four teams that are in line to be a conference champion. So right now, I think we have the most accurate picture of what an end result could look like. Um, Could this change? Yes. Where I think we would see the most dramatic change is if either Clemson or Washington lose. Um, I think a one loss Alabama could still squeak into a number four slot. And I think a one-loss Michigan would fall into the five or six, and Ohio State would slide in. So I think if we were to see Clemson or Washington lose, we could potentially see a second team from another conference 
most my my figure would be if Clemson or Washington were to lose, Ohio State could slide in. So right now, I think we have the most accurate picture of what a final ranking could look like. And I think for where we're at in the season, for the teams to be undefeated, I think they deserve to be here, yes. Okay, so real quick, let me just ask you guys just to make sure. So you feel as if the Tide, Tigers, Wolverines, and Huskies, you feel as if right now those are the four best uh, teams in college football? I mean, they're un- they're undefeated. Okay, I, I think yeah, uh, I don't think you can you can you can't give me a, a nice enough case to have anybody below them jump those four. Okay, and and I think another thing we need to remember here is all of these teams still have another notable matchup to go. So there there's still at least one more game to prove whether they really deserve to be here or not. Um, and with a conference championship game, it's just another week to determine it all. So, yes, I do like all four of the teams teams being here, but they still all have something to prove still. Yeah, okay. All right, now, uh, what did you guys think about the Alabama-LSU game? Heavyweight fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. D- defense is dominated for the majority of the game. Uh, I think the brilliance of Lane Kiffin took over. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin's been kind of one of the on and off stories of college football. Head coach, you know, offensive coordinator, where's this fit? I think offensive coordinator under a brilliant mind is where he belongs. Um, I, I feel like he really knows what to do with Jalen Hurts right now. Uh, he understands his skill set. He understands what the best situation is for him. Uh, once once they kind of let Jalen Hurts loose, let him use his feet, that game was over. Uh, he started getting big gains. Uh, and I think one of the most notable moments of that game was, I believe it was the fourth quarter, and I texted you guys. It was third and 15, and they ran Alabama, ran this little screen pass and converted a first down. And it was kind of like, that shouldn't happen in this game. But it seems like Alabama always seems to make the right call at the biggest of times. And and I think a lot of that is to speak for Lane Kiffin, knowing his offense and having faith in his guys to call a basic play and let his players make the play. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I feel like the game was just kind of a war of attrition. I mean, both teams yeah. were lights out for three quarters. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, 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 I'm, one, I'm feeling like, those late calls from Kiffin was by design. I think. Oh yeah. I oh think yeah. They they knew they were dealing with a monster of a front seven, and they you know they used every running back. I feel like is on the roster. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like pretty much everybody got carries, and and in the fourth quarter they they went strictly with Bo Scarborough, basically their biggest hammer to keep mm-hmm. cracking at that that deep line to get them. Packing in, and then that's when Kev, uh, Lane Kevin pulled out a couple plays to get Hurts on the outside, and then the daggers started coming in there. He started eating up yards, and you know ended up with with his 114 and and that late touchdown. Uh, I mean, of course, still got to give a ton of credit to LSU. Their defense was amazing for outside of allowing that one touchdown and. I don't think there's anything they can do on that one. 
it was just it was perfect play call for well perfect broken play run basically for for what happened it was supposed to be a pass play but they got too far outside and hurts killed them but you know lsu's front was a monster uh yeah none, none of alabama's true running backs average more than like four four and a half yards carry basically mm-hmm. so and, and and with their run game and their offensive line that that's a feat yeah yeah just, okay go ahead Ty. Uh, yeah, I was going to say just real quick, you know, Ed Orgeron, I think he deserves a lot of credit here, taking over a a team midseason, basically turning their season around and, you know, just pr- producing a game like that. I understand it was 10 to nothing, but I think LSU played a lot better of a game than a 10 to nothing game. Uh, like you said, Darnell, that, that defense, they they rose up, they played big. Uh, to only give up ten points to Alabama, uh, that 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 in itself is no easy task. I mean, you you look at some of the other quote unquote big matchups Alabama's had. They put up what over forty on Tennessee and over thirty on Texas A and M and won by twenty and thirty plus. You know, Oregon showed or uh, Orgeron had these guys really prepared. Uh, he had them fired up. They. They played a heck of a game. It was just the fact that, that offense couldn't get anything going against that Alabama defense. And I, I think we've all said it for weeks. That Alabama defense is for real. Yeah. They're they're nothing to mess around with. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, you basically just took the uh, words out of my uh, mouth with uh, LSU's coach. Uh, just, you know, previously when I first heard Les Miles got, uh, uh, they got rid of him. I was pretty nervous about this LSU team, and I was like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, who are they going to get as their coach? Uh, which, you know, I think they found it right with yeah. uh, within their uh, team. So he's been looking quite impressive. You know, he played – they did a good – had a good game plan against Alabama, you know, just Hurts. Uh, uh, you know, he started to get loose on them a little bit and helped them uh, – Alabama win that uh, game. But uh, Ed Orgeron, he looks very promising for this LSU football team. So even though they would have loved to get a win, uh, you know, I think this guy's the future for that um, LSU mm-hmm. uh, football team. So I think they're going to be uh, happy if they decide to stick with him, uh, continue to stick with him down the road. So I think that yeah. was just uh, really just showing his talent so far uh, this year. Yeah. yeah. And and little side note, Trey, uh, your boy Trent Richardson got to get some exercise pretending to be Leonard Fournette the week before uh, with the scout team. Oh, <laughs> really? Help out that so, uh, Can't crack it in a college. They can crack so, the practice squad in college. Yeah, back, back on the Alabama scout team. Hey, man, that's hey, better than nothing, man. You know, I'd love to see him in the NFL, but, you know, at least he got something going. So. Well, hey, you know, hey, they, they yeah. held him to 35 rushing yards, so yeah, it worked. I, I, yeah, I was going to say a lot of people thinking, you know, number one running back, Alabama's made him very quiet two years in a row. Yeah. All right, you guys ready for the pickums? I need to make up some ground, so yes. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, with Nebraska was last week, yeah, I guess, uh. Hey, 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 Tommy Armstrong <laughs> got hurt. It would have been, huh? been a different game. Got hurt early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so Denise, so Darnell, he's up. He's number number one right now, twenty eight out of thirty eight. I'm second, twenty six out of thirty eight, and Ty, he's last uh, with twenty five out of thirty eight. So 
very close right now. Still got a lot of games to cover. So up first, we have USC versus Washington. Washington, uh, they have a minus nine lead for the spread. Yeah, give me Washington. I think they just have enough. I think they're really pushing for the playoff spot. Uh, and they understand it. They understand that first that comes with a Pac-12 championship game berth. So I think they're they're going to play big here. It's going to be a good win if they get this one. Granted, any win against USC is a pretty good one. So give me Washington Huskies. Um, I'll take them 35-17. to 17. Yeah, I'm taking Washington too. I just um, still am out of the point where I can trust USC in a big game. Uh, and that's... I don't think they have the talent to deal with Washington. So taking Washington as well, uh, 31-21. All right. I'm going to go Washington. Uh, I just think that they're just a better team. So better <laughs> team should win this one. So I'm going to go Washington 27-14. to All right. Up next we have Minnesota versus Nebraska. Both of these teams are 5-2. and two. Uh, excuse me, no, 7-2, and two. and uh, Nebraska, they have a minus 7 lead with the spread. Yeah, you know, I think the interesting call here is whether Tommy Armstrong is going to play or not. You know, suffered uh, an injury, what seemed to be a really scary injury, actually, at Ohio State. Uh, came back, seemed to be, you know, moving just fine, but still has to clear a couple tests. So... At that point, I'll take the Nebraska defense still. I think that offense will find a way to at least do enough, uh, especially if they don't have Tommy Armstrong. If they if they have him, I expect a bounce, a regular bounce back game that you typically see from a team that suffers a big loss like that. But I'll still take Nebraska anyway. I think their defense is going to shut down whatever Minnesota tries to put at them. So I'll take Nebraska 20, 28 to 21. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line there, too. Uh, Tommy Armstrong took quite the hit last week. I'm not sure if he will be on the field, but I just think Nebraska probably still has enough, even without him, to uh, if they have to keep the ball on the ground, even fine. I think they they still should be able to get past uh, a Minnesota team that's, that's been solid, but I just don't think they're there yet. Uh, so I will go with Nebraska as well, 27-21. All right. I'm trying to get to that number one spot, man. So I'm going to go with Minnesota on this. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Nebraska, they got the uh, her QB, so could maybe come back, maybe uh, not. But got to make, got to get some points, so uh, get back to my number one spot where I deserve to be. So going to go with Minnesota. Uh, let's see. Give me 24 to 17, Minnesota. And up next, we have West Virginia versus Texas. Uh, Texas, they have a minus two lead uh, for spread. Who you guys got? I'm going to take West Virginia here. I think their offense is going to show up. Uh, they have a high-powered offense. Um, this is a game where I think defenses will be an afterthought. <laughs> I think both teams have the ability to score the ball, and I think both teams will score the ball. So I will take West Virginia here, uh, 30, 35 to 31. All right. 
All right, I'm going to go with the Longhorns here, so give, giving you a chance to... <laughs> Uh, I'll take this, I'll take it anywhere I can get it. <laughs> this this feels like one of those games that uh, Texas and more so Charlie Strong needs. Uh, one to pad that resume, uh, another win against the top twenty five team, maybe get himself back in the top twenty five with a win. Uh, so I, th- I think the he he goes hard to get that team prepared to come in and. Uh, do what they can to can control these Mountaineers. Uh, so, like I said, I'll, I'll take Texas in a close one. But, yeah, probably like Ty said, a lot of scoring. Uh, but I will take uh, Texas 34-31. Okay. I'm going to go West Virginia on this one. Um, just think that they're just going to just have their game against Texas. Uh, Texas has been a little, a little inconsistent uh, to me. This year, I think they've just lost some games, or I think they should have won. They should have just performed better um, in some games. And I do believe, you know, this is a good one for uh, Texas coach to, you know, help his pad up his resume, but I just don't think he's going to get it. Uh, So I'm going to go West Virginia. I think this was going to be a pretty, yeah, high-scoring game. Uh, Give me 31 uh, to 38, uh, West Virginia. All right, up next, we have Ole Miss versus TAMU, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, who you guys got? Well, as I said last week, I publicly I publicly said I would never <laughs> take Ole Miss again, and I'm going to stick to that. So I'm going to pick Texas A&M in a comeback game, uh, 31 to 18. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's easy to pick against the old Miss Rebels right now. Uh, they are without their good half, bad half quarterback, uh, Chad Kelly. Uh, he's out now for the rest of the year. So uh, their season, I mean, it was already shot. Now it's totally shot. Uh, so I think, uh, and and it doesn't help now with a pretty angry Texas A&M squad coming in, knowing that they just lost their spot at getting to the college football playoff. So uh, I take the Aggies by boat race, uh, uh, 38-14. Hey, now now remember, Trevor Knight is out for the season as well. Yeah, but I just feel like Texas A&M has a little bit more still. I agree. I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with this one. You know, I saw bad Kelly all season. I don't want to see what the backup's going to look like. So it's... (laughs) You yeah, know. if you couldn't put something better on the field with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So just just give me uh Texas A and M, man. So yeah, give me uh thirty one to thirteen. All right, up next we have uh this okay, yeah, Oklahoma versus Baylor. Uh Oklahoma they have a minus sixteen uh lead with the spread. Yeah, uh, I'll take Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield's playing some really good football right now. He's thrown for a boatload of touchdowns in the last couple of weeks. Uh, He just seems to be hot right now. That offense seems to be rolling. Uh, The defense is a different story, but I think they'll figure a few things out this week, get a few more stops. Uh, But the offense, I think, will continue to roll. Uh, 
give me Oklahoma in this one. I'll take them by by few scores. Uh, I'll take them. Uh, give me 30, 38 to 28. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Two teams here that like to put up points, uh, but one of them seems to have a lot more just odd stuff off the field going on with Baylor still trying to, you know, show support for Art Bryles and everything and uh, still keeping that whole uh, sexual assault front and center on the team. I think that's probably getting to causing some issues in the locker room even. So, uh, I think we have a disjointed Baylor team stepping in against Oklahoma, who's been playing good football lately. Uh, so, I take them in a pretty decent sized win as well. Uh, take the Sooners 41 21. All right. Uh, for some reason, I'm just feeling a Baylor win uh, this week. Uh, they're going to be playing at home. I think that's going to get to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, they are on a roll, but, you know, they started off uh, being inconsistent uh, to me, but uh, the team is flowing right now, but I just think Baylor's going to get the uh, W uh, this week. So give me Baylor. I do have it being a close one. Uh, give me Baylor 34 to 31. And last but not least, uh, we have LSU versus Arkansas. Who you guys got? Give me LSU. I think their defense is for real. Arkansas has been very inconsistent, uh, especially against good defenses. They practically disappeared against Auburn. I expect this to be a similar situation. That LSU defense showed the national stage what they can do last week against Alabama. Uh, I think that defense keeps it up. I think the offense finds a way to score a few times. Uh, I don't expect them to score a lot, but I expect them to score enough. Give me... Uh, give me LSU uh, 21 to 10. Okay. I'm going with LSU for this one, too. I uh, think it'll be another good matchup. I am worried that LSU comes out a little bit flat uh, after playing Alabama and, you know, being in the game basically until, until the last quarter. Uh, but I mean, with the talent they have on defense, they should be able to win this game and take it out. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna go against my nerves and still stick with LSU and take them 21-13. All right, you gave us a uh, War Eagle before, man. Can we get a Go Tigers? <laughs> I'm picking him to win. Why are you trying to have me do this? Oh, man. <laughs> all right, man. That's fair yeah, enough. Uh, all we did was ask for a pick, not torture. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. I'm gonna go with LS Who as well. Um, they just they looked impressive last week against Bama, man. So I think uh, even though they lost, uh, I think they're gonna be a little bit mad after that loss too. And I think they're just gonna bring it to Arkansas. So. I think LSU is going to pull it off, um, have them winning 21 to 10. All right, guys. Break uh, it up now, just so you know. Yeah, we lost them. All right, up next, we're about to get right into the NFL, uh, particularly 
the NFC North. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the uh, the Lions on the show. You know, the, we're from Michigan. So just talk about the NFC North this week, um, even though we don't really have that much to say about the Bears. Uh, Chicago, y'all did win y'all World Series in baseball. So, you know, at least y'all got something to talk about. But, <laughs> you know, uh, first and foremost, guys, uh, this is the Packers. Uh, I believe we all had them uh, winning the division. Um, I believe uh, we did our uh, preseason uh, talk about the NFL. Uh, what do you think is wrong with them so far this year? Yeah, they are struggling. Uh they just, I mean, nobody on the team seems to be right. Uh, starting with Aaron Rodgers, uh, he just doesn't seem the Rodgers that were seem to be the Rodgers that we're used to seeing. Uh, he doesn't have chemistry with Jordan Jordy Nelson like they had uh, pre-injury, and their defense, which was the highlight for them, especially their run defense, uh, that's fallen off too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have a lot of issues and not a lot of time to fix them. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I would even possibly argue that they don't have issues. They just have too many options. And I think the reason I'd say that is because, okay, you have – look at your wide receiving core. You have your Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, your one-two option. Then you have Ty Montgomery, Devontae Parker, your three, four options. So there's four guys very capable of catching the ball. All can have monster games at any time. But then you're looking at the running back situation. Okay, Eddie Lacy's out. So now you got to factor in James Starks, uh, who's now back from injury. And before that, you weren't sure if you were going to go with Niall Davis, who they signed and released. You weren't sure if you were going to go with Randall Cobb out of the backfield or Ty Montgomery out of the backfield. I think they just have so many options to choose from right now. They just haven't found a real solid answer for just the depth that they have. I mean, I I feel like that should be an easy problem to deal with because you could just about do whatever you want with whoever you want. But it it almost seems like you could, if you have a route where you have three guys running, you know, where you have a three wide receiver set, all three of them could be open at the same time and you almost don't know who to give the ball to. I mean, I I feel like if you have Devontae Adams as your number three receiver and Ty Montgomery as your four receiver, that's probably the deepest receiver core in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, they do have weapons, and at times different people blow up for them. But, I mean, I guess that's an option for them. I, I, I don't see too many quarterbacks that would be mad about having lots of people they can throw the ball to at any time. Uh, but, I mean, I guess at this point you got to start looking at every option. Because, uh, like I said, the, the, the weeks are winding down to yeah. that play for winning the division or – getting one of those wild card spots yeah and you know and and i think to the i guess if i really want to stick to the original question here and ask you know what what seems to be the problem i mean aaron Rodgers in the second half of games is almost non-existent mm-hmm. uh that was a problem in the first half of the season and it's still kind of carried over i mean this past week they in reality had a bad loss to the colts they should have beat the colts at home uh, the Colts aren't that good offensively or defensively. Uh, they just, I don't know. It, it just seems like the defense has taken a step back. 
and the offense is not advancing. Like the offense is kind of at a standstill right now. It seems like Aaron Rodgers can't hit the deep ball like he usually has in the past. Uh, the run game is nowhere to be found, in my opinion, with or without Eddie Lacy. Um, their receivers, I feel like, are playing fine, but that's only when Rodgers is getting them the ball. So if if we want to diagnose something, I think it could come down to there's no run game and Aaron Rodgers is inconsistent. I think those are the kind of the two places I look. Let me ask you uh, this then, uh, you know, in all sports, basically all team sports, uh, when it comes to the end of the year, you know, they look at coaching, you know, coaches usually one mm-hmm. of the first guys to go. How much is this the coach's fault? That's tough to tell. I think that's a very hard gauge because, I mean, I don't think the play calling's bad. I don't think the personnel is bad. I think this is, in my opinion, more of a players aren't producing. Okay. I mean, I guess it's definitely something that the Packers front office will have to look at. Uh, really, not much has changed about this team over the last three years, but mm-hmm. they've been on a decline. I mean, you chalked up last year to injuries to players. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a lot of people back this year, and, you know, they and this was supposed to be the best defense they've had in a while, yet they're dropping games to teams that they should be beating. Like Ty just said, uh, the Colts. I just Any team with a solid offense and what's perceived as a upper-tier defense, they should not be beating you. Yeah. Now, all right, guys, uh, what do you guys think about that Lions-Vikings game uh, that happened? Heck of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Heck of a game. Um, In my opinion, I think we look at that game as classic Lions um, mixed with a good Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, and, And I guess what I mean by that is this was a game where during one particular series for each team you're looking at the game you're looking at the lions offense against the vikings defense because in reality the minnesota offense versus the detroit defense is a crapshoot both are terrible um we're not looking at much on either side there so when detroit's offense was on the field and minnesota's defense was on the field that was the game and that's what was going to decide it uh i mean it if we if we look at just pure statistics i mean Matthew Stafford didn't have a incredible game. The defense didn't play poor. It's just the fact that the Lions made a huge pass to set up Prater for a 50, what was it, 58-yard field goal and found a way to just score the ball in overtime. I mean, Golden Tate made a heck of an effort. You know, he stiff-armed the guy off, <clears throat> off of him after fighting for coverage. Uh, and then he just willed himself into the end zone. Uh, I mean, I, I think Detroit's offense did enough. Uh, I mean, clearly they did enough that they won the game. But uh, that Minnesota offense just has so many question marks around it that it makes me hard to believe that they can win the division by not scoring points. That that defense can only do so much for that team. That offense has to help out that defense. 
Uh, I think the Lions moving forward, once again, still have to pick up the defense, but I think their offense has proven that they can win a game against the best defenses out there. They just have to, basically, they, they just have to get themselves into a position to be in every game. They can't have turnovers. They can't have Stafford, you know, making poor passes. They They honestly just have to be in it with only a couple minutes to go because Stafford's proven. If there's a chance for him to march down the field in the fourth quarter, he has a good chance to do it. Yeah, uh, it was just another one of those situations. Whereas it's been for the last few years, Stafford just seems to work best in a late game, no huddle situation. Uh, the, the less he has to really think and go through progressions where he has hot reads to look at and just go. Uh, he just mm-hmm. seems to work better in that type of situation. And uh, he, he got some help from Minnesota's defense in that fourth quarter. They kind of yeah, had two bad brain farts getting penalties called on mm-hmm. them and, you know, made it easy for the Lions to get in the field goal range and get to OT. And then they did their job when they got to overtime as well. So, I mean, mm-hmm. good, on, good on the Lions. They did what they needed to do. Uh, but uh, bad on the Vikings that the, the – the consistent strong part of their team cost them. Yeah. All right, guys. Now, uh, seasons first started off. The Vikings were, you know, clicking. They were winning. Uh, really caught my eye. But right now, they're on a three-game uh, losing streak. Uh, should this team be worried at all right now? Yes. I agree. The offensive line looks terrible. The defense, in my opinion, the defense is playing well enough to win games. They gave up the most points they've given all season last week to the Lions, and I think they only gave up 22. So that's a great defensive effort still. Uh, that that offense needs to pick it up. Without Adrian Peterson, they have no run game. That offensive line can't protect Sam Bradford. Uh, and in reality, Sam Bradford's not even a top 15 quarterback. So, I mean, you could probably argue him into the top 15, but, uh, I mean, I think exactly. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, when when you already have a quarterback that low in the chart and you're not protecting him, it's not a good recipe to win. So they need to figure something out, whether it's with the offensive line or – Bradford just getting rid of the ball or the run game, but I think that offensive line has a lot to do with it. Uh, if they want, if they want to hold on to this division, which they have a half game lead in, they're going to have to figure things out offensively. Because in my opinion, that defense has it together. Uh, they're they're just on the field too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like like we were saying for the Packers, that they have lots of issues. The Vikings, they just have a extreme they have lots of issues on offense you know yeah. uh, recently lost their offensive coordinator like Ty said the O-line just seems to be a train wreck right now and you have a quarterback that's starting to show what people thought when they made the trade to get him uh, it's not a guy that you can trust for a whole season he's healthy so that's a surprise uh, but <laughs> he's, he's not the quarterback that's going to win you games uh, he might not blow one for you, but uh, yeah, you can't trust him to pull off what Stafford did in the end of the fourth. 
Yeah, and, and I think the thought behind Sam Bradford is a game manager. Uh, I, I don't. I think Minnesota knew what they were getting when they signed him. I think they knew they were getting a guy that can move the ball, but isn't going to wheel your offense down the field. I think they they got a they got a guy to score twenty points a week. Think of the defense to win more games than the offense will. It's just at, over the last couple of weeks they they've played a couple better offenses. I mean, I think you could say the Lions have a top ten offense in the league. Uh, you know, in terms of being able to move the ball, being able to score the ball. Uh, but I think that they're just relying too much on the defense. You know, it, they've said the off, the NFL is an offensive league. It's a quarterback driven league. Uh, you have to be able to put points on the board and Minnesota struggles to do that already. Uh, it, they have three and outs, which seems to be almost every other drive. So that offense needs to stay on the field. They need to keep the defense off. Bradford needs to be a little bit more than a game manager. He needs to actually put points on the board for this team. Uh, the offensive line needs to figure it out. The running backs need to figure it out too. Uh, they need to work in line with that offensive line. It's just the idea that that offense still has so many steps it needs to take. And the unfortunate thing is we're what on week 10 of the season. Yeah. So to all, to still be saying that an offense needs to figure it out it makes me wonder if it's too late. Yeah. None of you guys think the Lions can actually end up winning this division? I don't think it's impossible. Things are playing into their hands. I mean, like we said, Minnesota has a lot of offensive questions. Uh, Green Bay looks inconsistent. They look to have more times of struggle than times of success. I believe they are, uh, what are they, four, four and four, four and five? Four and four. Um, e- either either way, uh, the Lions really seem to be. They're in a prime position right now. Uh, I don't think they could have asked for anything better. Being a half game back going into your bye week, uh, I don't think many people expected that. Well, five and uh, four. Uh, five and four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody expected. You know, Detroit to be in the position they're in currently. So, really, for Detroit coming out of the bye week, they need to shape up their defense a little bit. If they want to do anything, they have to get that defense in shape. Uh, Stafford's doing what he needs to do. He's winning games. He's in. He's in a lot of national conversation. Which, grant whether it's MVP talk or not, I I don't really care. But you know, he's gaining the respect of the league post Calvin Johnson. Uh, you know, a lot of people are respecting what he's doing now that he's able to do it without him and. You know, I think Detroit, you know, moving forward, they have, you know, they have a schedule that you know, I think could potentially favor them. Granted, they still have another matchup with uh, Minnesota, but all of their division games are at home. I mean, they have Jacksonville at home, Minnesota at home, Chicago at home, Green Bay at home. But if you look at a couple places where they could potentially slip, you're looking at New Orleans, a really tough place to play against a very high-powered offense that always produces at home, and you're looking at Dallas. So I think those are the two real struggle games moving forward. Uh, but like I said, having the rest of your division games at home, that's just a benefit moving forward. Yeah, they're kind of in a – they're in the best position that you could be in this NFC North. Uh, 
just you just won a game over the team that you're looking up at. Uh, the team just below you, like I said, they they have lots of problems that they're dealing with, so they're definitely beatable. And you know, Bears have only won two games all year, so they're definitely beatable. So, uh, prime position to make a move. Uh, they they have winnable games on their schedule. Minnesota's offense, I'm not sure how many teams that they can continuously beat. All right, guys, uh, anything else to add to the division uh, before we get to the pick'ems? No. Go Lions. All right. Uh, first off, i got to announce some uh, Darnell. He's ahead right now, 18 out of 38. I'm in second, 17 out of 38. Hit him with that fatty wop in uh, three. Uh, <laughs> Seven, three, 30. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Someone had, someone had to do it. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that. So, yeah. Hit him uh, with the fatty wop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 16 out of 38 for time, man. So, uh, First game we're about to get into, the Lions, uh, they had a bye week this week, so we're not getting into them uh, like we usually start off. I will still take the Lions to win big. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They'll they'll beat the bye week. (laughs) Where they typically lost in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, man. But uh, we got Denver versus New Orleans. Uh, Who do you guys got? New Orleans, uh, minus two and a half lead for the spread. Yeah, tough one. I think this is the toughest pick we've probably had all year for the NFL. Uh, here, you know, I said it a minute ago, it's an offense-driven league. Uh, Denver struggles to move the ball, and they have some key injuries on their defense. Wolf is out, and I believe they said uh, Aqib Tlaib is out again, or is looking to be out again. So I'm actually going to take New Orleans in this one, Drew Brees. Phenomenal quarterback has that offense going. Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas is emerging. Uh, give me New Orleans. Uh, not not in a big one. I still think Denver will be able to move the ball in this New Orleans defense. They're they're not very good. So I'll still take New Orleans though. Win by a few. Um, I'll take them thirty-one to twenty-one. All right. Yeah, I find this one to be an interesting game, too, just because, uh, you know, the Broncos, they're, they seem to be slowly uh, losing their shine as well. Uh, the, the Trevor, Trevor Simeon project seems to be uh, starting to go bad. Uh, he's seems like he's, he's starting to crack under some pressure. And mm-hmm. uh, Denver's defense, like you said, injuries are piling up on it, so they – aren't able to carry him and and keep him safe, basically. Uh, New Orleans, on the other hand, they, their offense is, is cranking on all cylinders. Their defense is still bad, uh, which, <laughs> which is the hope for Denver. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually with you on this one, Ty. Uh, New Orleans at home, where they play even faster. Uh mm-hmm eat up yards even easier. Like I'm feeling like this hurt Denver defense is one that Breeze might be able to just shred. So uh, I'm going to take New Orleans in this one too. 
27 to 24. Okay. I'm actually going to go with uh, Denver on this one. Uh, of course you are. Yeah. So <laughs> their, their D is uh, banged up. Well, got uh, players, you know, both sides banged up. Uh, but I do think this D is going to do enough to uh, contain uh, Breeze and, and New Orleans' powerful offense enough just to get by with a win. Um, you know, I think Denver, their offense is going to do pretty good, pretty decent against uh, New Orleans' uh, bad defense. Um, so just think, you know, Denver just going to find a way to just get a win out of this one. So I'm going to go with Denver in a close one, uh, 24 uh, to 20. Yeah, I, I think if uh, a quick key for Denver, I think Devontae Booker is going to have to be big if they want to win this game. They're going to need him to chew up four or five yards on first down and really give Trevor Simeon some third and shorts. Uh, I think that's going to be a real key if they if they want to stay in this one. All right. And, and work to keep New Orleans offense off the field. Yeah. yeah. And feed the ball to Emmanuel Sanders because he's on my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> Force feed him. <laughs> All right. 12, 12 plus targets. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Um, up next, we have ATL versus Philly. Um Let's see if I can get the uh, – okay, yeah, Atlanta, they have a minus two lead for the spread. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Philly here. Uh, you know, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, they've been a deadly combo all year. Expect that to happen again. Uh, Philly has a good defense, and I think they've proved it. I don't think anybody's questioning that team. But offensively, they've started to slow down. Uh, Carson Wentz kind of like we've talked about, kind of losing a little bit of the luster, but I do think he's the right move. Uh, playing him, starting him, I think that was the right decision for Philly this year. If it starts to go south a little bit, I won't blame them. Uh, Carson Wentz still has to get, a hang, get the hang of the NFL. Got to play for 16 weeks. It's, it's a long season, but uh, I think Atlanta just too much offensively, and I don't know that Philly has enough offensively to keep up so i'm gonna take a atlanta victory here hopefully Devonte freeman for fantasy purposes kills it uh i expect a touchdown out of him but i will take atlanta by a score of 35 to 24 did you just switch your pick by the yeah, end I, I thought cause, yeah, because I thought he said yeah. Philly at first, no, and I, I then I'm like Atlanta. Okay, I'm yeah. choosing Atlanta. Yeah, you were, yeah, okay. you're not the only one. Yeah, at first like, you said Philly. I was oh, like, did I? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, I want Atlanta. Okay, I, I'm, I'm making that perfectly clear. I want Atlanta. I okay. think. I was say you running some trickery here, Ty. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll pick no, 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 both teams. I can't yeah, lose. Got to, got to make up the No, no, but I, I want Atlanta. Give me Atlanta, thirty-five, twenty-four. Say, man, Todd, their offense, is, their offense up. is better than Philly. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go with Philly here, just for the simple fact that they're at home. Uh, they're a lot better in the confines of of Philly, so I think they'll look a little better. Better. Uh, I think Atlanta might have a little bit of trouble, uh, and you know, Philly is. Their fans are crazy. Uh, they 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 tend to help somewhat when they don't hate their own team. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is one where I don't know. I feel like the home team wins here. Carson Wentz snaps out of his funk a little bit. Maybe they let him throw the ball downfield once or twice. See if that that works. Uh, so 
give me Philly. Uh, 27-21. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta on this one. Just when in doubt, got to pull my boy Julio Jones, Julio Jones and uh, the rest of that wide-eye crew for Atlanta. You know, my, Matt Ryan, he's having a great uh, – MVP uh, season, uh, a lot of people say, uh, you know, some people have him as their top guy. Just think uh, Matt Ryan and that those wide outs are going to get the job done um, up in Philly. So I'm going to have Atlanta winning this one 27-17. Okay, we have Kansas City versus Carolina. Carolina, they have a minus three lead for the spread. Yeah, an interesting game. I mean, a struggling Carolina team against a Kansas City team that, I don't know, always kind of struggles, uh, or at least it appears they always kind of struggle. Offensively, I just don't think Kansas City has enough here. Uh, I think Carolina's starting to figure a few things out, and I think this will be a nice win for them. I think we see a good week out of Kelvin Benjamin and uh, Cam Newton. Uh, Jonathan Stewart as well, I think is poised for a big week. He came off of two big ones, had a letdown. I think he kind of plateaus a little bit here and finds the end zone, uh, especially against a good pass defense. Uh, Kansas City, I believe, has an interception in like the last five weeks or something like that or uh, some crazy stat. But, you know, the, the pass defense will play well. They'll focus Calvin Benjamin, uh, really have to keep an eye on Greg Olson. But uh, I think Carolina's run game could do some damage this week. So I'll take them. I think they'll move the sticks all day. Uh, I'll take Carolina here. 27 to 17. All right. I'm going with Carolina as well. Uh, Their defense actually looked like defense from last year in their last game. That was a good sign. And I think after Cameron's meeting with the commish, that uh, he gets little little uh, residual effect that the refs protect him a little bit uh, in this game. Uh, maybe gives him a couple calls that uh, will help them out uh, from some of the hits he takes. I uh, think with those factors coming, uh, Carolina in front of their home crowd, I, I think they take this as well. Uh, I'll take Carolina 27-20. All right, I'm going with Kansas City on this one. Uh, this is a gut uh, feeling that I'm just picking with, so, you know, no particular reason, <laughs> just got to roll with your gut sometimes. So. Hey, I love uh, it. The other two picked I love it. <laughs> I love it. Giving me ground to make up. Yeah, man. So, going to go with Kansas City. Just hopefully they just get the uh, job done. Uh, like I said, I got to feel it feeling so I'm gonna roll with them but you know Carolina's they've been uh, starting to roll you know kind of like what you said to Darnell with uh Cam Newton you know hopefully he can get some calls because he's been taking a beating uh for quite a while now throughout his uh, career in the NFL so uh hopefully that play in his advantage as well but do have Kansas City uh winning this one I will go with Kansas City uh 20 to 14. Then up next, we have Darnell's boys, uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh, they have a minus two and a half point lead for the spread. Uh, I, I feel like this is one, I mean, I, yeah, you never like picking against your own team, but I feel like this is, this is one of those like trap type games. Uh, 
Uh, Pittsburgh is coming off of a badly played game last week. Uh, it's Roethlisberger's second game back. Uh, I think the Cowboys do still have a bad defense. Uh, and this is a team that's built that can keep that defense on the field. Uh, they run the ball. And, uh, and this is a potent offense. So I actually have a feeling that uh, Pittsburgh takes this one. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Pittsburgh 28-23. Uh, right. uh, yeah, for me, this turns into do I want to gain a game on Darnell or do I want to go with who I actually think is going to win? Uh, but I, I think I'm going to follow suit here. I think Pittsburgh bounces back. The defense will play angry. Uh, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think it could potentially be. But I think a lot of people are really serious about the Dallas Cowboys now. I don't think anybody's taking them lightly. I don't think anybody's thinking Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are two little rookies. You know, these guys are for real. The nation knows it. Everyone knows it. Uh, I think the question for Dallas, especially offensively, is is Des Bryant going to become a consistent part of this offense or not? Uh, it seems like he either has a big game or he has two catches. Uh, you know, so what's going to happen there? That That's going to be what I look for is if Des Bryant gets involved in this offense, I, I expect I expect Dallas to be in some third and what is deemed long situations. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of third and eights, third and sevens. Uh, and I think that's going to be a moment where Des Bryant's going to have to come up big because Jason Witten coming off a monster week, they're going to look at him. They're not going to let him get loose on them. So Dallas knows what they they need to do, in my opinion. But I'm still going to go with Pittsburgh here. I'm going to go Pittsburgh 28 to 21. Wow, man. The week Darnell goes against Dallas, I go with Dallas. So I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going with Dallas on this one, man, as they've been looking impressive. Uh, you know, Ezekiel has been doing his thing. Dak Prescott has been doing his thing. Uh, just Pittsburgh, man, these last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, they, Darnell touched it earlier. You know, they had not really been, well, three weeks. So I think they had a bye week, uh, actually two weeks ago, but last couple of times they played, I just have not really been impressed with them. Uh, you know, my boys were able to pull off a win against them, uh, last week, but just think, uh, you know, ZQL, he's going to have a good time running the, uh, ball against, uh, Pittsburgh to help move those chains. Uh, I think Dallas going to help, uh, control that clock on them as well. I do have them winning this one, this game with a close one. So I have Dallas winning 24 to 17. And last but not least, we have Seattle versus New England. And we lost you. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl matchup from a couple years ago. Uh, Games in Gillette, though. Uh, So I think the same team went in. Brady's been on fire since he came off suspension. Uh, Garrett Blunt's been a hammer, though. I, I, Seattle, they they had an interesting game last week. A lot of controversy with uh, Richard Sherman taking av- full advantage of the rule book. Yeah, uh, and and seeming like he knows knows how to play the game better than the officials do. So, uh, 
we'll see how that goes. But, but yeah, I, I think New England takes this one. Uh, I'll go with them. Uh, 27-24. Okay. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm going to be gaining any ground on Darnell here. But uh, may, ground, may gain some ground on Trey. I'm going with the Patriots as well. Uh, at home, Patriots always play well. Uh, another thing is Jimmy Graham's coming off a big week. But if anybody knows how to shut down a key player for another team, that's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Uh, just find a way to do it, no matter who's on their roster. They just know how to play every other team in the NFL. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, like Darnell said, Tom Brady playing really, really good football. Uh, Rob Gronkowski's been an animal since he's gotten healthy, and uh, Tom Brady's been back. So, a deadly combination. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots by a score of 20, 24 to 17. All right. Good. Good game, too. It'll be very – I think this will be one you watch to the end. Yeah. I uh, do have the Patriots uh, winning this one as well. Uh, you know, like you guys said, you know, Tom Brady's clicking. Uh, you know, Gronkowski, uh, Gronkowski's doing his thing as well. Uh, the offense uh, just been looking – well, the whole team just been looking good. Uh, Seattle, I don't think people uh, fear Seattle, uh, especially their defense – uh, like they used to. Um, so yeah. I just think that, you know, New England, you know, how they're just clicking, you know, with Brady's uh, back and everything. I just, especially their two, they're at home. Uh, I just think this is going to be a win for them. So I have New England winning 31 to 24. There we go. All right, guys. Anything else you'd like to add? You know, yeah, just real quick, your assessment of that Seattle defense, I think, is pretty spot on. I mean, Tyrod Taylor was kind of all over him last week. And if Tyrod Taylor can be over him, Tom Brady should be all over him. Yeah. So, yeah, do not think people yet fear that team uh, like they used to. Uh, you know, Richard Sermon, uh, he's still a beast. I don't think people fear him uh, like they do uh, this year, like he's been uh, like previous years. So, yeah, I think Brady got it this week, man. All right, guys, uh, anything else to add? Okay, guys, as always, I uh, appreciate you all for tuning in to the show. Uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Google Play. Uh, we're everywhere, so just feel free to hit us up on Google, Bing, whatever your search bar is. Uh, search bar is uh you should be able to find us also check us out on twitter at dkm underscore cast um also man uh, if you're in the cars uh check out my cousin's uh youtube channel at uh the black scat pack uh it does this thing with car video so uh huge shout out to him as well so as always guys appreciate y'all for listening take care thank you